good to worship with you on this World Communion Sunday. Um, and do you want to just plug one more event next week? The uh, Lindsay Lectures are returning, and I am so excited for that and, and to welcome to our church the Reverend Dr. Richard Bowles, who is the preaching and worship professor at Union Seminary. Um, he's someone who I work closely with for my uh, doctoral program, uh, so I'm excited for you all to meet him and uh, excited for the word and, and uh, teaching that he'll, he'll bring us. So uh, please do make a point to be here next week. It, it should be a wonderful uh, day of worship and, and learning. Today, though, we begin a new series and a new month. Um, and so with that, I invite you to listen with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 17th chapter of Exodus, beginning with the first verse. From the wilderness of sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They're about to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this summer, while I was on uh, sabbatical, my family took a big trip out west that I've talked about a little bit. And one of the places we went to was Yosemite National Park. Wonderful experience. Uh, hope, hope you all, if you haven't been there, make it someday. But from Yosemite, our plan was to go to Lake Tahoe which if you look it up on Google Maps, will say it's about a two and a half hour drive. And it's a beautiful drive, one of the best uh, road trips in America, one, one site claimed, because you take the old uh, Tioga Road or Tioga Pass to this road that goes straight north and south along the Sierras. So we're excited about that, at least I was. But the day came for us to go from Yosemite to Lake Tahoe, and I plugged in the, the route on my phone that there was a problem. The Tioga Road was closed. So our two and a half hour drive through uh, the beautiful picturesque mountains became an almost six hour drive where we had to go back down from the Sierras into the Central Valley of California and up and then back over to Lake Tahoe. There was a roadblock, something blocking the way of, of where we needed to go. We could still get there, it was just longer and a lot more difficult to do so. This month in worship, we're going to be talking about roadblocks in the Christian life. As something you've heard me say again and again, the Christian life is one of gratitude. The medieval mystic uh, Meister Eckhart said, if I could only say one prayer, it would be simply thank you. 
Thank you, God. As Christians, we live lives of gratitude for God, for everything God has done for us in Christ. But we know that there are things that can impede that life of gratitude, to get in the way. Maybe not make it impossible, but make it a whole lot more difficult to get to. We're going to be talking about a few of those, and today we begin with admittedly kind of an odd one, but I think a necessary one, nostalgia. Nostalgia is a pretty powerful drug, right? In fact, it's the only reason the Top Gun sequel was so successful last year. Okay, that might be for, for my parents' generation. For my generation, it's the only reason the Cobra Kai show on Netflix is so successful. Nostalgia. It brings us back to, to a time that, that gives us such joy and warmth. There's nothing bad with a little bit of nostalgia. In fact, if you were to break into my Spotify account, you would see that by and large my favorite genre of music is 90s alternative and grunge, which I listen to at probably too young of an age. But uh, th there's nothing wrong with a little bit of nostalgia. But what I hope we see today is that nostalgia be can become a roadblock to gratitude at times. And that the roadblock or the, the hindrance comes when our looking back prevents us from seeing what good is going on in the present. Or to put it in the matter of faith, how God is present in our lives here and now. Nostalgia can hinder that. We see that in our text today. So uh, we're, we're in the story of Exodus. God has delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of slavery, away from Pharaoh's brick-making business, and in going towards the promised land. They, God, through Moses, has split the Red Sea, has delivered Israel uh, on route to the promised land, but there's a problem. Now they're in this desolate wilderness in the Sinai Peninsula, a place that is utterly devoid of food and water. The people through their bodily needs are understandably upset, and hungry, and thirsty. This isn't the first time Israel will complain. Just before this was the whole matter with, with asking for food and God brings manna to the people. And this certainly isn't the last time Israel will complain either. In fact, this whole thing will repeat itself again and again throughout the, the wilderness story. And, I mean, admittedly, complaining about not having food or water is pretty understandable, but some of the complaints get pretty petty to the point where they said, we had it so much better in Egypt. The onions were so much better there than they are here in the wilderness. <laughs> Actually happened. So as Israel's looking back to what they, they believed at the moment were better days in Egypt, they overlooked the difficulties of that time too. For one, they were in, enslaved in this time. They, they had harsh conditions and treatment under Egypt, and uh, their, their longing for these days makes them forget what's going on, or what that makes them forget the difficulties they faced in that experience. This is where nostalgia kind of becomes the hindrance. And we hear it as, uh, as the narrator of Exodus says, and they called that place Masa and Meribah, or uh, testing and complaining. One scholar said, and then Moses called them Testingville and Complainingburg, as the names of the places. 
Because through this, what's the refrain that ends our lesson? Is the Lord among us or not? This is what nostalgia can do in the life of faith. This is how it can become a hindrance, is when, when you're looking back prevents you from seeing God present with us here and now. We know what that's like today, too, don't we? We all look back on glory days from time to time. Like I said, a little bit of nostalgia is fine. I know when Marie and I became parents, we were utterly baffled at our folks' reaction when we said, oh, don't you remember how hard, how hard the nights were with, with sleeping and, and feeding? So like, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> it's overlooking the past difficulties uh, to, uh, of a time that you look back with, with a lot of glory and, and um, pride. There must be something biological going on there, too, to, to help us keep the species going, I think. But um, it, we, we do that when we look back at glory days. We do that in the church. I mean, us Presbyterians, along with every mainline denomination, our Methodist friends down the street, our Episcopalian friends, Lutheran friends, the high watermark for our mainline traditions was in the U.S. is sometime in the 60s. And so a lot of churches look back in those times as our glory days. And when we do that, we often overlook the difficulties the church faced in those days as well. A church that was far less inclusive than it is now. A church where women could serve in every office of leadership in, in the church. So we look, when we look back at glory days, not only can we forget God being present with us here and now, we overlook the difficulties and struggles of those times too. And when we do that, we ask the very same question the Israelites did. Is the Lord among us here and now or not? Thankfully, in our text, and even in the midst of their testing, their complaining, the, the whining, the bickering, God still shows up to give the people what they need. God says, Moses, take that stick. Yeah, you know, the one that you split the Red Sea with. Take that stick. Go to Horeb, strike the rock with the elders, and water will come out. In the midst of testing and complaining and looking back on the glory days, God still shows up in that moment to give the people what they need. In that moment, the people are reminded who God is, that God is with them, and that God will continually provide them with what they need. It is the absolute antidote to, to this kind of roadblocking nostalgia to help the people of Israel and us today even remember that no matter what, God is still with us and God will continue to give us what we need. As I said before, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of nostalgia. But at a certain point, it can keep us from seeing the blessings of our present day. And it can even keep us from seeing God present and at work with us. It's a reminder, friends, that God is continually with us, that God is with us here and now, that each of us is here in this place for a very particular reason, that God's not done with us yet. Now, I want to share just a little personal story. I didn't really plan on doing this, to be honest. It just kind of came to me as we were talking. But when I interviewed with, with the church seven, gosh, almost eight years ago now, by the time you get back to when I was talking with the pastor nominating committee and stuff. I loved the church and everything, but it was when we came here that really um, got me excited. And that was when I walked into the space. 
Y'all heard me talk about the, the open windows to Main Street a lot. That's my favorite thing about our sanctuary, that we're looking out into the community in which we live and serve. But the other thing is this. That's this side of the sanctuary. If you notice, our sanctuary is asymmetrical, or as I like to put it, not finished. When I talked to folks about it, they said it was built this way, so if it ever was needed, the sanctuary could be expanded upon later. Not that there was necessarily a definite plan to, but if it ever came to that, we'd be able to. I love that. Not saying, and I'm, I'm sure our finance committee folks are cringing at me saying that, <laughs> not saying I'm planning and, and saying we need to expand the sanctuary right now. I think we have plenty of seats for a few more folks. But what, what I love about that is this is a church that says God is with us here and now, that God is not done with us yet, that there's still work to do. It's okay to look back and, and give thanks to God for the glory days. Nostalgia can be a wonderful way of instilling gratitude for what God has done. Just don't let it become a roadblock for what God is doing and that what God will continue to do for you, for us, for all of God's children. Now, this month we're going to be talking about roadblocks to gratitude. The place where all of these roadblocks dissolve is whenever we gather at our Lord's table. Because this is the place in, in some of our brother and sister traditions in, in the church call the Eucharist, or in Greek, the thank you place. This is where we come to God and say thank you. We remember God's blessings to us in, in our story of faith through creation, through uh, Israel in the wilderness, and all the way through the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. But we also remember that every time we gather at this place, we're not only gathered with people in this, in this room, with other Presbyterians or other Christians in Warrington, we are gathered with Christians across the world and across time. And as we're gathered here, we are met by our risen Lord. Here and now, not in the past, we're met in this very moment by our risen Lord. And he meets us and feeds us with this very life. Friends, may we go out and, and as we prepare to, to celebrate this feast of our Lord, may we remember that God has been with us, that God is still with us, and that God will continue to be with us, providing us water, food, and everything we need to live a life of gratitude and love. Amen.